be today to hear your word, <clears throat> to uh, meditate on your word, and to understand your word. Your word is healing. Your word is hope, comfort. It's your voice. It's you talking to us, Father, making it real to us to meet every need that we have. And we thank you, Lord, for your holy word. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So we're going to continue to talk about what's important to Jesus. And we're studying in Matthew chapter 5. And um, <clears throat> I always think it's good to reflect on just what he died for. You know, um, there's there's such a focus. And, and I know sometimes these things are important. You know, you want to let people know what the benefits and blessings are of God's covenant but those covenant promises always come with an obedience contingency and then there's a a blessing that obedience brings to us because it brings certain fruit into our lives certain um, growth on the inside of us uh, certain things that we really really need um, as opposed to uh, and I think these are inner working things more so than outer working because you've got to remember the Bible says certainly we brought nothing into this world and we're not going to take anything out so the things that God puts into us that are eternal are of much higher value to Jesus and much higher value to God than the external things externals kind of come and go uh, externals can be fleeting Sometimes if you look around you, you can see on the external, uh, sometimes we have a lot of waste involved in things that we do. You know, we kind of accumulate things and we think to ourselves, well, boy, I haven't used that in a while. You know, maybe I ought to find something I can do with it that's <laughs> going to be meaningful. And so as, as believers, then we know how to... Uh, sow these things and, and give them away and bless others with them and be prayerful over them and that's one way of managing external things but the internal things are the things that the Holy Spirit manages the things that make us more like Christ for real uh, more pleasing to God and it increases our ability for success in God's kingdom and when I say success I mean everything that God has put before us we can see ourselves as capable of accomplishing those things and that's really what true success is it's the capability of God to accomplish everything that God has set before us and so that's that's a good place to be and so you'll see in these um, <clears throat> these truths that Jesus is speaking here that as we begin to understand why these things are important to him why he's ordained to make changes in us of an eter eternal nature then we can see definitely that um, God has ordained a good life a prosperous life a blessed life and, and uh, all of those things come out of these inner changes it's the inner much more so than the outer that God is focusing on and, and in so many ways he's telling us that he's letting us know uh, in so many ways how much more important seeking the kingdom uh, seeking the internal changes that he will make inside of us all of those things I think people in the world want these things they want these changes they don't want them God's way like you'll see the the uh, uh, successful 
people you know I was thinking about the Kardashian family so how they got a TV show I don't know they give them to anybody but they are probably the least talented group of people the least interesting group of people you ever want to see but they are on television and I see this one uh, girl that's married the one daughter that's married you know it's amazing how the devil will exalt himself I got two daughters with children not married to nobody and then the one daughter that's married now they're saying her husband's on drugs and can't get and so there's always something you know there's an internal and I, I know people in the world wish they didn't have those problems but they're not really willing to live for God so that God can help them with that kind of stuff they want the world and they want their healing they want their freedom they want they want everything but they want it in a sinful way and so God has a way of letting us know that it doesn't come like that these things have to come with internal changes you can only make the outer changes in your behavior your relationships all of those things only come with his kingdom it has to be the kingdom residing in you and making those internal changes that will cause that kingdom to be carried everywhere that you go everywhere that you go the kingdom goes everywhere that you go you're an ambassador for him everywhere we may not think much of this sometimes but I'm telling you folks people watch you people understand what's missing in their lives people understand a whole lot more they just don't have the answers but we provide the answers so this is this is why it's so important to Jesus and we understand how his kingdom works and understand when you come into contact with the kingdom so we've gone over uh, several of these points and we're down at verse 6 I think uh, where <clears throat> we talked about the meek shall inherit the earth and I think it's because meekness has a way of impressing God because you come to him with nothing so meekness really uh, implies that you're coming to God with nothing to your credit. Uh, you're coming to him boasting of nothing. Coming to him not, not uh, feeling strong and confident on your own. But coming to him kind of stripped of your own identity. Stripped of yourself. Stripped of your reputation. Etc. Etc. And you're 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 presenting yourself as a gentle, humble, and meek person. And the Bible says if you humble ourselves to the hand of God, he will exalt us in due season. So there's a due season for that. And he is the one, if we stay humble to him, he is the one. We will see him begin to vindicate uh, us and begin to help us in so many things. Uh, if we will stay humble uh, to him and stay under his authority, under his power. You know, sometimes we want to humble ourselves for a minute until we get what we want and then go off and have a party <laughs> he doesn't allow that he just wants us to stay uh, humble to him so that he can always put a hand on us see if if he if we stay humble to him uh, his hand of blessing his hand of mercy his hand of glory will always be upon us but if we in any way raise ourselves up and want to make ourselves of any kind of reputation or anything like that his hand of blessing really lifts off of us 
us and, and we can have a good time in the flesh but still we got to come back and humble ourselves again to the hand of God and so when uh, Jesus says the meek are blessed and that's kind of a contradiction because we look at meek people or humble people as people who are kind of despised when you when you humble yourself or you present yourself not trying to brag on yourself or boast on yourself or make a lot of noise uh, then you know you're kind of despised by the world because everybody wants somebody who can toot their own horn and we want people if you're successful uh, flaunt it you know if you've got power let us know what you got you know that kind of thing we kind of look up to and admire people who have something to commend themselves with and Jesus is saying I'm looking for the person who's not trying to be a big deal I'm looking for the person who just admits his his lack admits his inability admits his faults admits his shortcomings whatever uh, somebody meek who is not trying to make a reputation for himself in this life but will come to me so that he can learn of me and I can make him somebody through what I can do for him or not make him somebody you know just be his friend be you know we don't go to God to be exalted or to to have everybody know our name or anything like that we go to him in humility seeking whatever it is that he has for us and and that's the the blessed part of it that we are satisfied with our with the Lord being our portion you know that that's the fulfillment of life you know that's what there is to life for us and we can stay in that place and we enjoy that place and and we really really love that place I was reading uh, the this week and and you know just going through the the word a little bit and and uh, I came upon the scripture that that says uh, you know uh, that we should be content with what things soever we have because he says I will never leave you or forsake you and I thought how'd that jump into the same concept wait a minute wait 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 you know and so some things can so affect you they just flash through your spirit and I'm thinking to myself I said oh boy I see it now you see I see it now because if you're content with whatever you have and he's not with you you're not a contented person and don't even try to convince you but if you can remember he's with you and that's 100% of everything that's important in life then you can be a very very contented person that is not to say that you don't believe that God prospers his people that's not to say that you don't believe that God will give you a return uh, what you what you want you can uh, reap what you sow and all that kind of stuff but there's so much more to God than just the outer uh, accoutrement of life you know it's it's the inner workings that are so he's with you he's he'll never leave you. he's always there's your friend he'll stay with you when everybody else is gone and so that's that's the great thing about our God so in then in verse 6 it says blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled they shall be filled that's part of what we do when we witness to people when we go out to share Christ with people we are 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 seeking to fulfill that spiritual hunger that hunger for righteousness because really what people want is an end to their problems 
and righteousness really is the end of their problems if if they can get with God and take on Christ and be fulfilled that way they will see an end to this hunger and thirsting now hunger and thirst is different than curiosity and we run into a lot of people who are curious about God he does not respond to curiosity there has to be a genuine hunger and a genuine thirsting for goodness in their lives, for justice, for a right, <clears throat> right situations, a right outcome, and into poverty and into oppression and into all of these things. And then God promises to fill them. See, it's only then does he promise to fill. There are people with, with problems in their lives, but they don't really hunger and thirst for righteousness. They want an end to the problems as long as people can figure out another something to do. You know, they're just curious, pretty much more or less. I mean, I, I think some of them will respond to God and some of them uh, will keep going. But as long as most people, if they can figure out another uh, hoop to jump through or they can get another 1-800-CALL-SAM or somebody like that. I mean, they're not really thirsting for the things of God. You know, it's it's a, a real thirst for righteousness that God responds to. And so he will, and, and it's good to share Christ with people. It's good to share him with people all the time. Because you never know when that seed is going to be there to, to mature. Uh, there have been times where where... Uh, I know I've been speaking to people that, you know, kind of like halfway here, some of the word bounces off of them. They receive some and it just goes every which way because they're really zeroing in on something else. It's what you're saying to them is helping some, but it's not really what they want. See, it's what they need, but it's not what they want at that time. And so, but you have to speak that truth anyway, because that is the answer that they need. They just don't perceive it. They can't perceive it because they're thinking of something else that they can do uh, to get them over the hump or get them to the next whatever, you know, <clears throat> get them out of that crisis onto the, the next uh, plateau. And then they hit another crisis again. Some people are accustomed to a life that's not peaceful. And they don't know anything about God's peace. And I think there are some Christians who are like that. They just don't. They have such turmoil all the time. And don't know how to put it away. And don't know how to, to let God come in and fill them. And give them that peace and that stability. And that foundation on the inside. Where they can say no matter what happens. They always are drawn back to God. You know there a lot of people out there are drifters. You know they drift here and they drift there uh, but they're just curiosity that's that's a curiosity person I think and so he wants he will respond to the ones who are really hungry and thirsting for the right thing for righteousness for God's life to come into them see when you want righteousness you want to do the right thing you want to live right and that's what what God responds to people like most people know if you're really sincere about God 
something is going to have to be different about your life. You're going to have to give up this. You're going to have to stop that. You're going to have to, and that's what they look. They always count the cost. But when that cost doesn't matter, and all you want is God and what He has for you, and you're willing to do whatever He tells you to do, then that's when He'll respond to you. And so God responds, and He says that they will. Be filled. That means that they won't thirst anymore. He will satisfy that thirst forever. Things that people can do, they will thirst again. If they just keep living by their own means, keep doing what they know to do, they will thirst again. And I think a lot of times <clears throat> we we enable, we have a society that kind of enables people because we think it's wrong for people to be challenged, uh, to suffer, to have lack, to have want, to have all, you know, we live in a society that thinks we're supposed to provide everything for everybody, you know, uh, down to cell phones and televisions and, you know, used to be if you had an emergency, you went to a neighbor's house and made a phone call if it was really that pressing now they think you can't live without a cell phone so they provide all of these things and this is nonsense you know it, it really is because people don't need to rely on themselves so much as they need to rely on God and so these crutches uh, you know when when they get involved in this stuff they go from one crutch to the next to the next to the next I remember a time when when young women didn't have like five and six children with no marriage and no husband but now welfare is so easy and and you know of course we don't want the children to suffer you know this kind of stuff but I remember back in the day they were discouraged everybody told them nah, don't have the, you made this mistake one time don't do this again you know and they listened because welfare was an embarrassment. It was something that you didn't look forward to. You had all these people in your business. And it was an undignified way of living. Now it's acceptable. You know, there's nothing undignified about welfare. Everybody gets a well. I mean, you've got college kids that get food stamps. And I can remember when I was in college, I knew some of them. But they, they would always make up some stories about you know their finances yeah I remember kids that that uh, they had parents that owned their own businesses and they were getting food stamps and I was working two jobs and going to school you know trying to be dignified and trying to you know get away from that you know but they didn't care they just you know and they take money dad and mom sent them a check every month they buy dope with that you know, and they live off their food stamps and swap with the friends and all, you know, that kind of communal living. Government really cripples people quite a bit. It really does. It allows people to not face responsibility for their situation in many many instances but God see God knows how to get through to people anyway there will come a time when they will all hunger and thirst for righteousness they're sick of sin they're sick of problems they have a good idea what the problem is you know if I just didn't keep doing this all the time or if I could get around a different group of people or something like that that's when that hunger and thirst for the right way to live comes in so and so God knows 
how to respond and when to respond. And so many times when we go out and uh, witness to people, we ask God to to draw us to the people that really desire him. You know, God, who's really hungry for you? Who's really asking for you? Uh, we don't just want to go out and just see a few people just to get this over with, but we want to touch the people that are really crying out to you. And, and God will send you to those people. He'll send you to those people. It's, it's just wonderful to keep that in mind that we are being sent on a mission to a specific people that are crying out to God and God wants to meet those people and there are tons of people out there like that and so we have to always keep that in mind that there's a target for our prayers and there's a target for our witnessing there's a target for our words and there's a target for our ministry and that's the people who are hungering and thirsting for the things of God so when we approach God and we desire him as a necessity and not a curiosity we'll get the answer it's the same way with us in our Christian life you know there's some things you say oh you know be kind of nice to have that but then there are some things that press us that we you know really desire you know and it's good to to always have those before the Lord. Your family's salvation is something that you always desire. If you claim them as saved, you know, you need to see them starting to walk with God and learn the ways of God, uh, to be people of prayer, to be people that God can use to draw others into the kingdom. I believe until you see people doing that, out doing the work of the ministry, there's still prayer that needs to go forth for them. They still need to be de- developed in the ways of God so that they can get out and do the work of the ministry the way God has called us to do. So curiosity has not created a place in the heart for God and his truth and that's why he can't respond to the curious. You know there are people who say well God is well if you want to pray for me pray for me to win the lottery. You know, that kind of stuff, those kind of flip uh, responses. And God can correct those people too. You know, continue to pray for them. Just let them know, well, you know what, uh, those things perish. If you want God to help you win the lottery, um, that, that's not what I'm here to pray for you for. Because those things will perish with the using. But God is here, sent me here to introduce you to eternal life. Something that will go on forever and ever. And so when we see those things, we need to know that those people, have not had a place in their heart created for the spirit of God to dwell in so there has to be a place created for that and hunger and thirst is the evidence that there is a place created in that person's heart for God sometimes people hunger and thirst for things or answers to their trouble or they're desperate for somebody to help them that sometimes is not the same thing but sometimes it can be the same thing you know there's I prayed with people before and and they were asking for one thing and I I tell them I said well I want to pray with you I said I'm not sure I have that for you but I'll pray with you and we'll get God involved in it and then God will help you with whatever it is and some people come away just as peaceful and just as satisfied and they say you know what I really really needed that prayer I, I know now why my life hasn't been going the way you know and I used to go to church and I used to you know they'll tell you their whole story after that 
and so God has a way of coming in when that hunger and thirst is evident there's a place for God in their hearts a place created for him in there and when they allow God to come in and fill them up then they go away peaceful they go around hopeful they go away satisfied and many times they will want to continue on with God because it has made such an impact on them in verse 7 it says blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy and this is one of the fruit of the spirit that if you give out you'll get back in kind mercy is one the other one is is forgiveness and these both are tied hand in hand I think merciful people are forgiving people and God says you will obtain mercy so when your back is against the wall and you need something from God if you've been a merciful person if you've been the kind of person to to show mercy to people and not you know take them to task for every little thing you know or get offended by uh, the way people speak or the way they dress or the way they look or you know things that they you know but you're not touchy you know what I'm saying when I say touchy everything bugs you for some reason if you if you're the type of person who can be merciful and compassionate then God says he'll give that back to you in kind and so when you have a desperate situation in your life God will always hear you if you're a merciful person and mercy is is just giving a cup of cold water mercy is is making yourself available to bring somebody to church or take them to the store or run an errand for someone or uh, anything like that and mercy really is a response to a need you see a need in someone a merciful person will respond as God would to that need and so when God sees you as a person of mercy then he says you will obtain mercy you'll be given back in kind mercy is one of those ministries that that will will feed people who are hungry will rush to the aid of people who are um, downtrodden I think uh, one of the reasons that I've always admired uh, the the uh, mission and uh, vision of the 700 club is that they they try uh, to show the love and the mercy of God in that they're able to meet people right where they are and meet that need so that you don't have to come up to a certain level or a certain standard in order to get that need met see that's that's what really what mercy does and does it without respect to persons so that if there's some say some some people can't grasp certain things as quickly as others you know you see this a lot in the church you know there's sometimes you see some people really struggle with jobs they can't really keep a consistent employment or they can't really get their finances together you're always struggling financially always and a merciful person will continue to reach out to that person as long as they're open to to get help you understand what I'm saying you, you keep doing the same things over and over and over again because mercy understands that that's a need in that person's life and who are we to cut off the source of getting that need met.
says mercy will help them to get that need met. Now I'm not saying mercy takes over, pays your bills, and you take your money and squander it on something else. Mercy is not a substitute. It doesn't it doesn't encourage misbehavior and disobedience. And I think sometimes when people withhold mercy, that's their fear. That if I keep doing this for this person, they're just going to take advantage. You know, you can hear from God well enough to know that if you your heart is tender toward a person, then and you know that person really needs that help. Why would you turn them down if you have the means to do it? And so the Bible tells us that we are to to do if, you know whatever we see there's a need for. If we have the means to do it, we're obligated to do that. And to him, much is given, much is required. And so I look at that sometimes and I think, God, what about all these people who have been under your prosperity teaching and got all this money? (laughs) Require something, you know what I'm saying. I mean, you think about things like that because there are many of us in the body of Christ who have become multimillionaires because of God's giving us a name and giving us abilities and so forth and so on and I know much is required when much is given to you and so it's it's kind of like well why would you even want to just leave live simple be content because then there's a mandate on you to be responsible to be faithful to be compassionate and merciful with that money it's not for you to blow it on things and give it back to people in the world and squander the wealth that God's given you just because you got it you got me it's there's something required of people uh, when you belong to God I know people they'll try to justify their behavior sometimes in well you know um I didn't get this from offerings. Well, it doesn't matter where you got it from. You belong to the Lord and everything you have is His. Come on now. this You know, we forget things like that. We get so far removed from being responsible and, and doing, what, doing what pleases the Lord. What pleases God? This is what is what is God approve of? What is He looking for? Um, we have to keep that in mind at all times because I'm telling you, you'll drift far from it. You know, you start to get somebody's revelation on this and this person's teaching and that one's understanding, and pretty soon you've got a crazy quilt of nonsense. And you've drifted off of focusing on what am I doing here? Whom am I trying to please? How do I please God? And what does he want me to do? And just stay in that vein and stay in that flow. I tell you, you have such a peaceful life. Understanding what God expects. And living out of that. And keeping your heart pure before others and toward others and uh, you know staying out of strife uh, with people and with one another and in having to win the argument and get even and that kind of nonsense I mean if you'll just live a peaceful life in godliness it's a wonderful thing it's a wonderful thing he so loves that he died to give us peace with God he died to reconcile us first with the father and then with one another both are very important to God very important how we live in harmony with one another and live peacefully uh, before one another we're not a threat to one another but we are we are a, a blessing to one another 
Uh, we can bless one another so much if we'll seek to be a blessing. You know, because if you're merciful, he says you will obtain mercy. To be merciful really means to be compassionate, to be compassed about with the love of God that can invade a person's life in such a way it can drive out all of the power of darkness. You don't want to bring darkness to people. You want to invade their lives with the power of God to drive darkness away. Be that kind of person, you know. Be that person. God is merciful toward us. His mercy endures forever. Mercy is part of eternal love. Eternal life and eternal love is to be merciful. When we are like him, then we are confident as we go about showing the love of God to others. We're not uh, nervous about it. We're not pulling back. We're not shaky about it. But we go forth in confidence when we know that, that God's mercy is upon us to do certain things. As you show mercy, God is able to start to mobilize help for you in your life. So really mercy is a help ministry. It's a helper to other people. Compassion is a helper to a person's life. So when you need help. If you've shown mercy, you'll find that God sends help to you. He'll send angels, dispatch them to you to guard you and guard over you. He'll send uh, um, gifts of the Spirit, different levels of vision, where you're able to see and locate and keep things in order in your life you know it just it's it's a wonderful thing to have um his understanding and his mind available to you at all times you know these these are things that that i think are very important in keeping your life and life in order and keeping your life running right uh, i i just think it's a great thing it really really is these everyday day-to-day um you know little empowerments little touches little things that make us aware that he cares about us that he loves us he's there to help us and uh keep our life going smoothly uh because he's there for us helping us all along you know and everything uh recently i was <clears throat> I've had a growing list of of things that need to be taken care of in my house. And I just have put it off and put it off and put it off and put it off. And I was going to call the gentleman that I usually call... um, you know, he did the addition on our house and, and he doesn't like doing small things and I know it. And so the last time I had something that needed to be done, it was big enough, you know, that he came. But I was putting off calling him because I was pretty sure he, he wasn't the one. So when I called, did call him, I asked him, I said, well, you know somebody, blah, this, blah, that. And he recommended this young man that was a trainee of his that he taught him, you know, the trade and they helped him when he, uh, they worked on my, my room addition and and so I called the young man and this was this uh, kid after after he had come out to the house he did a little insulation a little caulking little stuff you know and uh, Cece and I got him cornered in the kitchen we led him to the Lord he's Amish 
you know, breaking Amish or whatever they do, or Amish mafia, or something. But he had left. He had left them because when you when you go out into the world, if you do anything other than farming, or you buy a truck, or you get a cell phone, you gotta leave. You know, kind of thing. And so they are treated kind of you know badly by their families. You know, they're not allowed to come back, and nobody can talk to them. So they're kind of like rejected people. And so we we were able to lead him to Christ, and we found out through him a lot of things that they do and he was saying he says oh they don't let you have that bible you know he said that's that's a no-no they they get suspicious of you when you read the bible and we just listened you know we were we found him a bible and you know a lot of little things that we did to kind of get him on his way and so when he called he told me that his brother had been killed his brother uh, and I didn't get a chance to ask him and I wouldn't because it wasn't the right time but I often wondered with God I said God was he able to tell his brother about the Lord ever I said you know once you get a seed into a family you know that that thing kind of grows but you never know when somebody is close to the end of their life you know how it's going to be but but I was able to to find out how he's doing you know and get an update see these things that we we think are so important for us you know like I I do need somebody to get out there and get get the work done but if you follow the steps that God has you take you'll find out there's so much more on that road than just what you do and so if you'll show mercy like this kid was out there we could have ignored him and you know not even petition God on his behalf but I decided just to talk to him a little bit about the Lord and and find out if he'd ever confess Christ because I I started out by asking him I said well Amish people I said what do you guys believe about Jesus and about salvation do do they ever talk and so in that conversation we find out that he was hungry to know God and to be saved and and curious about his salvation and all of that and so uh, these are things that that we will show you how big God is and how big his focus is and it's like God saying listen that house is a small thing I gave you that house I'm going to take care of it but in the meantime there's along that path there are going to be people who are hungering for me who are thirsting for me I want you to check them out I want you to know the spiritual condition of people that I have around you I want you to be a person who can be merciful and see mercy often means putting aside what you want to have done and do God's business first take care of God's business don't be frustrated so so in searching for somebody to do my house I didn't find anybody on that phone call but I was able to find out what had happened with that seed that we had planted several years ago and how that seed was coming along and and that was one good thing that God brought out of that contact and that interaction and so if you follow up on these things and and I really I had to that came road came to an end I still didn't have anybody do the house so I still got to look some more but still if you follow that suppose God had had me leap over that and just go someplace else if I'm just so desperate to get somebody to do this work and blah, 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 if I don't know how to wait for God's leading and let him take me into these situations and show me what he wants me to know uh, then we won't have much of the understanding and knowledge and it just really proved to me how important it is for us to share Christ with people every opportunity we get and see that's the mercy of God because to be honest with you I'm not sure if that kid even did 
the work right that we were getting done at the house that time but we came away knowing that his soul was saved you see and that's so important for us to to discern and for because that's what we're here for you know uh, this house will probably be here not be here you know after I'm gone this land will be here but these souls won't the souls you only have a certain amount of time with while they're here on this earth and so I thank God that we were able to sow that seed into that family uh, it's interesting the brother the one that was killed uh, he was always trying to not come in the house because he he wanted to keep his boots on they were full of mud and I told him I said you're not coming to my house dragging mud in here what's wrong with you you know that kind of stuff and I talked to his boss and I told him I said you got to teach your boys how to treat people's property when they come in nobody wants mud tracked on their floors and so he'd try everything he could not to get in there and so when when it was time for them to come back and do some work in the future he was not the one who was sent it was the other kid who was sent. you see how the devil works things so that people cannot hear the gospel and cannot hear and so it might have been even that he didn't have that hunger there but I believe his younger brother because Christ was in him he had an opportunity to share that so we asked him we said would you tell other people about Jesus if he said I think every Everybody ought to know this he was so thankful and so grateful and so we kind of you know you put it together but it, it always reinforces to me when you hear stories like that of two kids in the same family and one dies young and the other one you were able to bring to Christ you know how important it is to set that seed and plant that seed in that family among those people because you never know uh, when people are you don't know the length of their days so we have to work the works of him that sent us while it's day you know that's what that means to just always be ready to share Christ with people whenever and wherever and so the mercy of God will always bring you mercy mercy back to you it will so that mercy that was shown to him is coming back to us and I know it's going to come back in so many ways ways that you you really can't imagine introducing somebody to eternal life is probably the most merciful thing that we can do because they have eternal mercy it's not just feeding them or clothing them or getting them past a problem right now or even getting them healed but they can get eternal life as well and so that's that's what you want you want to show that to people at all times we should be willing to stop what we're doing to pray for someone stop what we're doing to speak to somebody and answer a question or pray a prayer something like that that's mercy in action that you stop your busyness you stop your busy schedule and you allow the Spirit of God to lead in these things and and that'll come back to you I'm expecting that when I do settle on the person who's gonna do the work uh, I'll be shown mercy and what they do it'll be somebody who will do a good job they they won't uh, fudge on things and they'll be able to do it at a reasonable price and everything will be satisfied you got me and so that mercy I'm expecting to come back to me uh, because that's how God does things he'll he'll repay you when you are like him when you operate in his stead he can do everything Jesus wants to do in a situation I think about that sometimes and I say to myself I say God what do you really want it what would you do for this person if you were standing here in my place and so you allow <clears throat> the mercy of God 
the grace, the gifts of the Spirit, the graces of God that move through the, the operation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You allow all of that to flow through you when you're a merciful person. See, you're not trying to prove you're saved or trying to get somebody saved. But you're allowing his compassion to be shed abroad outside of your heart through the Holy Spirit. It's a big difference. So it's a, And it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. In verse uh, 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In other words, people don't have any selfish motives. If you can come to God without any selfish motives, I want this, I want that, I got to have this, I got to have that. He knows your need. But when you come to him, come to him with nothing on the table. When God just talk to me, what do you what do you want to say to me today? Is there something that, or I just want to sit in your presence and be a part of what you're doing today? I want to hear from you. I just want to, and God will speak to you almost immediately. There's so much that He'll share with us, uh, especially when you go into the Word. I've found that that's my best point of contact with God is the word of God and then God begins to show you uh, things about himself that will will strengthen you and bear you up but you can't have any selfish motives uh, when you go into the word of God there are, are ways to rightfully divide the word of God and when you go into the word of God it's to find out what he says not to confirm something that you already think. You got me? Pure in heart people want to know what he says. They're not going to confirm what they already have. I remember uh, there was a, a person that that kept saying that God told them to divorce their husband. Just kept Well, every time I would go in the Bible, I would read someone. So I said, well, you didn't read it right. If that's what you think it said you didn't read that scripture right and so they were convinced and and so and that's an impurity in a person's heart you know if you really want to know what God says you'll go in there with a blank slate you don't you're not going there to try and get him to tell you it's okay to do what you want to do you have to go in with a, a, a pure motive uh, what the Bible scholars call it uh, exegesis a e x e g e s i s. It's it's extracting from God His knowledge. Isogesis is the wrong way to go into the Word. You go in there with your own iso means self. It just what you already have. You bring to the table, and then you're trying to generate some kind of knowledge from that you got me and so when we look at those things and we see what the pure in heart purity in heart can avail us I think it's wonderful and a lot of teaching you'll hear from popular teachers teachers uh, they don't go into the word in the proper way you know there's some people uh, I know the prosperity teaching got so lopsided for a while People were trying to go into the Bible and prove Jesus was rich, you know, because the kings had brought him gifts and gold and all this. And oh, he was very old. Well, kings, they didn't give you a little bit of stuff. They gave you, you know, that kind of stuff. That's not necessary. You understand what I'm saying? We get the point. God says he will bless us. What we sow will reap. We got it. 
You know, you don't have to try and validate what you're saying by pulling and splitting hairs and in that kind of way of treating God's word. You'll get a lot farther if you just allow people to get the basic truths and, and we can read God's word for himself and let him minister truth to us. But we don't have to believe that Jesus was rich because there's scripture that says he made himself poor for our sakes. And so he stripped himself of true riches. I, I hope they don't think earthly wealth really makes you rich. You got me? Jesus had access to anything he wanted at any time. We all know that. But that is not to, and that doesn't say that he's going to make preachers rich and all of his kids rich either. You got me? There's ways to wealth in this world. And, and if you'll study those, God will show you how you can can get you know, wealth in this world, but we're not all seeking that. I think we need to seek what's important to Jesus and we'll be very, very happy with that. Be content with those things, you know, learn how to be a contented person. So in the pureness of heart, self motive motives are abandoned. So we abandon all self motives and we approach God with a pure heart. And if we continue with a pure heart, we build knowledge of God and we'll see clearly the way God sees things. That's the best way in the world to see. Let's just see how God sees. We won't be deceived. We won't be in darkness. We won't be in our feelings and our emotions all the time. But we'll be able to see clearly the way God sees. When he says the pure in heart will see God, that really means he will reveal himself to us, reveal truth to us, give us answers, empower us to carry these things out. Uh, it, there's a whole gamut of benefit to seeing God. You know, it means to be in his presence, to have his attention, uh, to like uh, Esther, you know, when she went in to see the king, he allowed her into his court. And so the pure in heart will always be allowed into the courts of God, you know, to, to sit at his feet and to understand and to learn. So he wants to reveal himself to us and answer our needs. And so you have to empty yourself of yourself. Come there with no motive. Just God, whatever it is that you have for me, I just worship you and praise you and lift you up and forgive me of my sins and cleanse me. I'm here because of the blood, not because of what I do right and didn't do yesterday. I'm here because the blood has given me access. You know, that kind of thing. And just allow that blood to sprinkle your heart, your mind, get your conscience. You know, I, I can say if people would get over a bad conscience, they could really hear from God. You know, it's just so much stuff hanging on us all the time. It's terrible. And so when you when you get purged like that and you can just go to him uh, with a mind that's totally cleansed from dead works and from the power of sin, then we'll hear clearly and you can trust what you hear then. You know, you can trust when what you hear from God. So when we turn for away from self and toward God, Jesus approves of us and he notices us. He hears our cry. See? He approves, he notices, and he hears. And that's so wonderful. In verse 9 he said, blessed are the peacemakers. This is very important. They will be called the children of God. In other words, you're so much more like him if you are a peacemaker. A peacemaker is a person who knows how to join people in peace and how to harmonize. How to get people on one accord 
and harmonized. Peacemakers have an ability to leave nothing out. So there's that shalom aspect. Nothing missing, nothing broken, everything considered. A peacemaker is not a judge. You got me? You don't come there to determine who's right and who's wrong. Doesn't matter when you're talking about peace. You got me? It's kind of on the back burner and not on the front burner. Because as long as there's judgment, somebody's going to go away full. Somebody's going to go away empty. But if we can leave that outside and just find out how to reconcile the two parties or reconcile the situation, you know, peacemakers tend to want to build and not tear down. And so judgment tends to tear down and not build. And so there are times when, when things have to be corrected. You know, if you can speak the word into a situation, people realize when they violated the word. And they can repent. They can say, okay, I, I see what I did. I see where I'm wrong now. And, I, and leave that alone. And then you can reconcile the two parties. So peacemakers are able to bring a situation into peace where everybody's considered, nobody's left out. Yes. This is a hard job because you need the wisdom of God to do it. I mean, there, there are people who are attempting it. Don't get me wrong. There are some good family counselors out there. There are good marriage counselors out there. But oftentimes, somebody doesn't get their needs met unless that person can get God's wisdom and bring peace. Because peace means you leave nobody out. So if there's a, a situation in a marriage, the kids have to be considered. Grandparents have to be considered. That's, that's a peacemaker. See, and only God can do that. He's the only one who can fix a situation so that everybody satisfied and everybody has peace in their hearts that their situation's been reconciled. And so it's very, very important that as peacemakers we understand that our role is not to go into a situation and say, well, you did wrong and you shut up and you, you got me. You, you have to know how to bring parties together so that, that they can, can uh, get these things worked out. So they leave nobody out. So when we preach the gospel, we bring peace with God to all people. We are not told that in, we we are not told to leave anybody out. We can preach the gospel to anybody and believe that they'll hear it. There's no somebody we already know can't be saved and they, you know, they can, they can't, all this kind of stuff. It's for everybody. And so that's a great thing about being a peacemaker. It's free for all. So when we preach the gospel, we make peace and carry peace with us to whosoever desires to be made whole. That gospel will make you whole. Keep you from being so worried, fearful, fragmented. Peacemakers are restorers. We restore things. We're not here to make accusation, to judge or destroy those seeking God. We are here to make 
peace because there is a place where everybody can make peace and that is at the foot of the cross you get them to kneel down and receive Christ repent of their sins and come out of that life got me they are being born again into a new life this is not like a witness protection program where you just hide from the devil all the days of your life you know you're a new creature totally you know old things are passed away everything has become new so so we we do though destroy darkness and sin when you come as a peacemaker in God's kingdom you're there to destroy the works of darkness as most people come to God because the fruit of the works of darkness is caught up with them you know sin's not really fun anymore like it used to be so we can make an end to sin and its consequences and be led into wholeness man as peacemakers we bring wholeness to people they have a sense that they can go on in a new life they have a sense of hope and encouragement that there's a new day that God's peace his shalom brings hope and encouragement to people where they didn't have much confidence in their future before the peace of God can bring them into a place where they have that and that's the great thing about that the hope that comes in Christ is not just the great by and by but it's the here and now but with God with success in God peace peace of mind <clears throat> people have a mind to do the right thing now they have a mind to obey God so when you have reconciled someone to God they have a mind to obey God they know their proper place in God now and they want to walk in that see they want to walk in that and experience that in verse 10 it says blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake and Jesus elaborates on this for another couple of verses he says for yours is the kingdom of heaven blessed so there's a reward there that the kingdom increases in you when you're persecuted for righteousness you know some people are so sensitive they don't even step out and do much <laughs> handle the the little backlash you know little things where the neighbor doesn't like to speak to you or they go in the door when they see you coming home or something you know it's mild persecution but he says when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely 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 for my sake he says rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven so for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you and so <clears throat> this this comes only because you live a righteous life before God there be some times where you can't do certain things you'll have to refuse to get involved in certain things you know you just have to say well you know I'm, I'm not not really going to be doing that it's you know it's not not for me or something like that or uh, turn things down sometimes people will want to uh, say unkind things about people you know and, and just go on and on and on about it you know and um, I know we live in a society with freedom of speech but you don't have freedom to uh, violate God's word in what you do you know we're, we're held to a higher standard and so when we're persecuted because we make a righteous stand man 
comes from righteous living and and living as God would have us to live Amen. so <clears throat> because of the righteous one living in you and he directs your life that will lead you to persecution See, when the Holy Spirit because he lives in you you let him start leading your life persecution will come and the Bible says great is your reward in heaven great is your reward in heaven not here but there so if you want to get a good reward in heaven you keep living right for God amen we need to have something stored up for over there folks we can't extract everything that we have from this covenant just to live it up in this life so God will keep a balance in our life when we are called upon to do or say some things that that are not popular things to say and we get reviled for it. You know, people will make fun of you uh, for living a certain way, not doing things a certain way. All of this, you know, some of <coughs> younger people, if they don't go out to the parties that everybody goes to, they, you know, they're pushed aside or treated in an unkind manner. And so the Bible says, Great is your reward in heaven. And I think it's good to encourage people that this is going to happen to them because many times people are offended and want to go no farther in the things of God because they're not popular with the popular crowd you know and so we have to really encourage people and tell them that this is part of what we get when we live for God and don't take it personally you know don't take it to the point where uh, you start being sorrowful you don't want to serve God anymore and and uh, you just don't want the Lord anymore you know you, you have to you have to put this as part of what you share with people about living for God I think it's good if parents let their kids know that you know now I'm not gonna let you date while you're in high school you know and, and people aren't gonna like it you're gonna have some kids that are gonna make fun of you and all that and all that but we'll pray about it and God will keep you because this is important for you not to be uh, a statistic like most young people are um, it it's very daunting and very sad. It's kind of disheartening to look at the 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 slippery slide that young people are on. They're just like they're all just sliding down this great slide to get into hell as quickly as possible, and to live a life that's not pleasing to God, uh, to live a life that's full of struggle and full of heartache and disappointment and discouragement, um, all of that simply because there's no righteous stand that you can really see and when people do make a stand they're not they're not undergirded you know and and shown that this is something that's a part of what we expect our lives to be like as Christians and people are not going to favor the way we want to live our lives but we're going to have to live them confident that God will be our reward and that we're pleasing God and that's that's what you have to teach them uh, you have to teach them that they can't be popular all the time this is not going to make you the most popular child but God will be pleased with you and I think God backs you up because he then will show them in some way that he's pleased with them there will be something else that your child wants more than popularity 
that God will be able to give them if they'll live for him. And so they'll be able to receive the reward, see the reward of God for their obedience to his word. But when persecution's added to it, they get a reward in heaven. Stephen, when he was martyred uh, in Acts chapter 7, if you want to turn over there, you can. I think starting in like verse 55, Stephen stood and began to preach about Christ and preached that Christ was the Son of God and he was stoned for that. And so many times in the midst of trouble, if you can speak for God, you will, you will get persecuted, you see. Really will. There's, we've got leaders now uh, in the body of Christ that are standing up and speaking out politically, speaking into some of the political arenas, the truth of God's word. And they're doing it boldly and confidently without, you know, without hindrance. And I believe it's a result of prayer because these kinds of, of platforms that they're being given we haven't had in the past you see we we haven't had that in the past some of the platforms that we've had have been so persecuted like i think about the platform that got it given dr martin luther king it was such a persecuted platform that he finally wound up they killed him uh, because of his stand in righteousness you know he wasn't just trying to be a political somebody he was moving under the power of God and under the influence of the Holy Spirit to do what he did See, you set a group of people free and there was such power in that movement that a whole other lot of groups of people have started riding on the coattails of the grace that came in when he started to to move in that political circle and break break those political barriers down and now we've got other voices that are coming forth sharing God's word and sharing scripture and, and standing on scripture and firmly believing in what they're saying in, in these political arenas. And so they are being persecuted as well, but the persecution isn't killing them now. See, there's no bullet tied to the persecution and there's no stopping these voices. And why is that? Because God then, Jesus begins to stand up in them and undergird them in this invincible armor that they carry. That if they don't let it get to their minds and they don't let it get to their hearts and they don't let it stop them and they don't let it poison them, that they'll continue to go on and on in God. And so here you see Stephen was uh it says <clears throat> verse 54 when they heard these things they were cut to the heart now he's talking to the uh, religious people of that day and they gnashed on him with their teeth but he being full of the holy ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of god so he must have said this while he was looking up into heaven he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God see so when we are persecuted I believe that's a picture of Jesus was standing there at the throne of God he's standing on the inside of Stephen because his spirit lives in us you got me and I believe that spirit stands up even stronger in us as we are sharing and as we're receiving these darts and slings and arrows you got me from the opposition and so when when we are persecuted that's when we're the strongest in him 
that's when the strength of God really comes to our aid and he stands up on the inside of us now it's a choice what happens to people in these situations you know there are many times the apostles escaped the sword in Hebrews chapter 12 it tells you uh, the uh, the fate of of people it says some chose a better resurrection amen so he instead of being raised up from this persecution he chose a better resurrection he just went home to be with the Lord see and so that's always a better resurrection folks and so that's what Stephen's choice was in this situation but had he chose to go on preaching God would have spared him that and he would have gone on preaching and so he was martyred but Jesus was glorified you got me Jesus really likes that he comes to bat for you when people are against you the Bible says he raises up himself a standard on the inside of us you got me to stop that stop the slings and the darts and the arrows of the enemy against us so then Jesus comes to bat for you in a big way he stands with you as you have never seen him before when you have to enter the arena I remember when I came <laughs> came home from uh, back from Detroit and I started having to go down to court all the time with the people about my uh, apartment and and so the Lord <clears throat> began to show me later you know you go through stuff you go through it and sometimes you're crabby and sometimes you're peaceful and sometimes you're back crabby again but you get through it and so I got through it and and you know later I, I told the Lord I said man I don't know what that was about I said but I'm sure you'll tell me you know and this kind of thing because there's always more to it than what meets the eye and so the Lord began to show me how you have to have faith to meet all levels of opposition in him and so my faith had to be restored and, and strengthened and built up for confronting political powers and powers of authority in certain realms that would stand against you and what God wants you to do in the earth. And so it, it can only be done by walking you through it in the word. You got me? And so when it, he does these things, you know it's for something, but you're not sure what it's going to do. And so I can see how getting into different uh, situations where we've had to uh, fight different things. Like when we came here to the city of Warren, you know, there's so many people want to go down there and vote against you and you want to put a church somewhere. They're not that forthcoming. But I thank God that he had already strengthen me to confront these things see through that experience then you can see you said oh okay I see what this is now when you conquer these things on a certain level then you have the faith and you have the ability and the confidence to see it through on the other level when we had the landlord running in here all the time and disrespecting what we were doing you have to be able to make a stand spiritually against those things so that they can come down and begin to obey God 
so that you can get your work done. You can't, you can't work with people harassing you all the time and not being compliant in their responsibility. So all of these things that we confront folks where we withstand this persecution and we withstand this, you just make your stand for God and you tell God you're going to stand. These forces that you confront are forces that if you don't confront them and you don't establish his lordship in these situations that God is with me and I will not be moved. He sent me here to do a work for him and I am not going to be discouraged in what I'm doing. I'm not going to be turned back and turned away. All this stuff. But you got to do it by walking through it. You, you, you can talk all you want to about God sent me and we're going to do this and do that. But if you don't walk through it and understand why he has you in these situations and it's just persecution. Don't take it personally. And don't take it to heart, uh, but it's part of what God has called you to do. Then you'll be able to see, you know, you you get somewhere with this kind of stuff. You're, you're able to get where God wants you to get, and you're able to do it. And Jesus is pleased with these things. When we make these stands, and we stand for him, and we don't back down, and we're not chased away, and we're not pushed aside, and we continue to stand for him, then he takes great pleasure in these things. So I'm encouraged when when I see God come to bat and I see God working with us and I see God eliminating problems for us. Uh, you know, I don't think we've seen, I don't think we, I haven't heard from the landlord here in a long time. And that's the way it should be. You know, we should have a peaceful uh, relationship with him. The same thing with the city. Uh, you know, the city is able to, to give us the permits we need and, and work on our behalf and all of that stuff uh, because when you confront these things in the arena where God has you confront him and you see that he's with you in these things uh, then you can do a great great deal for God so we we have peace with all of our situations where we're trying to do the work of the ministry simply because you have to confront these things when God says to confront them with him and so the persecution you got to know it's going to come you don't take it seriously it's part of your Christianity and and you have to to uh, see it as such now the, the apostle paul in acts chapter 22 shares his testimony and that's all he did was share his testimony and boy did it get him into trouble starting in 21 verse 1 down to 16 see the testimony of jesus christ is a spirit of prophecy so people can sense the power of that word and the truth of it and especially the religious they see people getting converted to the truth and they don't like it and verse 17 it says it came to pass that that when I was come again to Jerusalem even while I prayed in the temple I was in a trance that's what Paul is saying oh if I want to read all of that 17 through 22 22 oh this is his interaction with Jesus, we see where do I want to be in this? We'll go to verse 19. And, he, and I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee. 
And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the clothing of those that killed him. And he said to me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. And so Paul then had a ministry that was persecuted. He knew persecution was coming and he told the Lord even, he said, I can't go to the believers in minister I can't go to them and preach and so Jesus in his mercy sent him to the Gentiles to preach unto them so God knows how to keep the persecution under control so that you can do your ministry and get your message across got me some of these situations where Christians find themselves in where they get defeated and they can't do what God sent them there to do I feel they either just went on their own they didn't realize the trouble they could get into because I know that God can keep the persecution at a level where it doesn't overtake the message where you can't be effective and where you can't get people saved and that kind of thing and so there is a place of stepping back when you find that that you're just not getting anywhere with something there's too much trouble in that you can step back and you can appeal to God for mercy in where your message is to be spoken because he can always get you uh, say a place where you're a little more received than you are in some other places you got me it's not about you just fighting your way through everything all the time and going anyway you know that's flesh and so we have to understand that Jesus has a wisdom and where he sends people to and so he graced Paul especially to be able to to preach to the Gentiles because as much as Jesus told the disciples to go into all the world they didn't get real far I mean the only one that got really far was Paul uh, because he went and and preach to the Gentiles because he knew that was his definite calling and so we have to realize the mercy of God the wisdom of God in getting us to our proper audience where our words will be heard because there will be a time when those uh, family members will hear there'll be a time when the in-laws will hear we just have to know how to present that word to them in mercy in truth not holding anything back you have the wisdom of God but more than anything we have to prepare our way with prayer and expectation that God will open doors no man can close them until we get in there and do what God tells us to do amen father in heaven we thank you for an opportunity to hear you we've heard your word today and we know how valuable this word is for us it's so valuable father we thank you Lord that the word of God is quick powerful sharper than any two-edged sword it just pierces asunder all of these uh, pricks that will come against us it just breaks down all barriers to it and it confirms what we are here to do we thank you for sharing your word with us today Lord in Jesus name amen praise God so if anybody wants prayer come on up